You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadab. Well, it's... Man, tomorrow's Saturday, guys. <laughs> Jeez. I'm kind of glad that it's sneaking up on me. I haven't had the opportunity to just kind of stress and be like, dude, this is taking forever. Um, because it, it just 100% snuck up on me. And I, I kind of want to just like go back to sleep. Well, I mean, literally, I want to go back to sleep, but also uh, metaphorically, uh, as far as just not not understanding anything, you know? I just, I don't know what's going on, and all of a sudden, oh, the game's on? Sure, let's turn it on, because I, I can't handle it. Lots of people um, starting to reach out and express their their stress, and, you know, the the interesting thing is, I was talking about the the negativity of the fan base and how much it drives me nuts, and really, what I, what I had said is that it's all driven by fear, and that's true. I, I even had Mr. Negative basically reach out and just be like, dude, I'm, I'm freaking out, man. <laughs> I'm so nervous. And just how much, and, and that, that really is what's behind it. I don't like the ultra negativity. I don't like the attacking of Brian Gutekunst and all this stuff. But at the end of it, what it is are diehard, passionate fans who are um, just, just like the rest of us. They want it so desperately. They handle the emotion differently, but that's what it is. And ultimately, what I've come to the conclusion is we just, we need this, man. Um, and I, I know that has nothing to do with whether we will or won't get it. Packer fans need this more than everybody else. It's And it's really not even close. I don't even rem- remember who exactly I was talking to. I've been getting so many messages and DMs. Um, maybe Jared, I don't know. Oh, no, um... I don't know. See what I mean? There's so many messages everywhere. It's not on Facebook. It's not on Twitter. Um, but I've gotten a lot of messages basically talking about, and this is this is all part of why the Packers need this more than anybody else. They are so unbelievably sick of hearing about the 49ers and how the Packers don't have a chance. I, I got to be honest. It's funny because I started this whole thing talking about Packer fans having that mentality and how annoyed I was with Packer fans saying that. Um, that's all kind of died down. I have not heard a lot of Packer fans being negative lately. But interestingly enough, I haven't heard the media been being negative. Now, I don't tune in very often, but I did a just quick, real quick run through yesterday. And um, I think it was the first thing I looked at was Colin Coward ranked his, um, I don't have the audio queued up because I, it wasn't that interesting. It was just kind of a mental side note. I would have, if I'd have known that this is where I was going to go with it because I was going to get so many messages, I would have started timestamping some of this. But um it was just kind of an interesting little footnote in my brain, but he went through and ranked the remaining teams. And I thought, you know, based on my understanding of things, I know they're not going to be number one. Tampa's probably number one. And then probably, you know, Chiefs and Buffalo. I would guess the Packers are number four, maybe number three, but probably not. He ranked the Packers number one. 
I don't even know, honestly, if I would put the Packers number one. I love the Packers at home. I think the home field advantage thing is massive. I really do. And I went through that whole thing and and why I think it's massive and why I think it's different. By the way, because I'm going to forget, and I... It's always dangerous territory when you go down every single rabbit hole because you can't find your way back. But one major thing that I had complete and f- completely forgotten about when I did this whole big thing about how this year's home field advantage is bigger than last year's home field advantage, um, there were no fans last year. <laughs> it's hard to have a real strong home field advantage. And, and you, we, we had gone into that, especially the defense, how much it impacted the defense. But, um, you know, again, you look at, the 2021 team overall, seemingly, statistically, whatever, I've had a few people reach out and say that they don't really disagree with that for this reason or that reason. Completely understand. That's fine. I'm just giving you the information, not telling you what you have to think. Just trying to give you piles of data so that you can sort your own opinions out. But the point is, based on all the available information that I could find, and by the way, this does not include the return of all these players. This is just talking about what we've seen so far. 2021 or 20, yeah, 2020, geez, I'm all mixed up now because it's 2022 right now. 2020 was better than 2021, but when you factor in home field advantage, 2021 is better than 2020, right? That's generally what data says. But anyways, rewinding the tape here. I do buy into the home field thing, but I still don't know if I put them number one. I want them to be number one. I know they can beat teams when they're playing at their best, but I also know Buffalo at their best is one of the scariest teams I've ever seen. Kansas City at their best is always very lethal. Tampa Bay at their best is unbelievably lethal. Fortunately, again, the home, the away team is not generally as good, but we know Tampa can be scary. But again, Colin Coward put him number one, and I was stunned by that. And then I think it was CBS. I, I only watched two. There were two shows where I watched where they ranked teams from, you know, the, the remaining playoff teams. They also had the Packers number one. And again, I was stunned because just like you, all I see is gushing over teams like the 49ers, which doesn't really make sense. Um, I have seen some stuff on Twitter, and maybe that's where this is. I know JJ had sent me some stuff. Um, He had kind of snapped at somebody. You know, everybody kind of reaches their breaking point. I get the same way where it's like, after like the 10th time of seeing something, it's like, all right, you know what, you moron, I'm just going to dress you down. And you just, you just do, you just you just got to take him down a peg because it just gets to be a little too stupid. But uh, he, he sent me the link. It's Peter Schrager talking about how, you know, if the 49ers win, it's because the Packers couldn't handle Debo Samuel and the Shanahan McDaniel offensive attack. The Packers know it's coming. Everyone does. No one has been able to stop it was the quote. And, and, and listen, th- that is frustrating. It is because it's so, it's, it's everything I've been saying about the, the, the recency bias, right? They've had like two really good games in a row. Two of their best games have been their most recent games, and that's what everybody assumes. And everybody just completely forgets the entire history of the 49ers. And J.J. summed it up for for all of us, collectively. He said, dude, the Niners placed third in their own division and lost seven games. What are you even talking about? They would have maybe had a better record, except that the Packers already beat them this year, too. Saying, and listen, I understand that the team has grown and developed and Debo has taken on a bigger role and you've added a couple pieces here and there, just like every team has evolved over the season, right? I mean, do I have to go over that entire episode all over again? The one where I talked about Lazard coming out of nowhere, becoming a top 15, top 10, whatever it was, wide receiver over the last five weeks. Nobody's talking about that. Nobody cares about that. Even I don't care as much about that because things evolve, things change. People get good, people get bad, people get figured out, people make adjustments, just like people make... Debo Samuel is not going to be 
this forever. Well, maybe he will. Occasionally, they have a breakout and they stay broke out. Devontae, et cetera, et cetera. But especially when it's kind of gadgety stuff, right? They move Debo a little bit more to the backfield and all of a sudden nobody has an answer. Until they have an answer, right? But Stokes, Razul Douglas, um, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, slow start. Now over the last several weeks, he's a top 10 running back again. All right, Kingsley Kiki's improved. Preston Smith through the roof the last five, six, seven weeks. So yes, things get better, things get worse. But to say nobody's been able to stop them is is wildly inaccurate. And so it, it really just depends where you're at. Um, the frustration, and the, the only thing that makes me really happy about this is seeing Packer fans kind of coming together on this. I have not really noticed the negativity from Packer fans recently. It's kind of weird. That's kind of gone away. It, it seems like we're kind of, we're coming into a landing. You know what I mean? Everybody kind of goes through their own little emotional ritual. Um, for some reason, there was, I think it was right after we, again, we watched those games and everybody, the, the angry folks had their panic attack and their moment of rage just saying, dang it, we're not going to beat these teams and I'm angry, right? Because again, everybody had, everybody saw it and was nervous. I watched Buffalo and thought, oh, shoot, <laughs> Right. We saw Kansas City and thought, oh, no. We saw Tampa and thought, oh, shoot. We saw the 49ers and thought, mm, well, you, you maybe thought one thing. I thought a different thing. But I, I saw a 10-win uh, team play two quarters kind of well and almost lose to one of the worst collapses in NFL history. But, um, you know, we can interpret that however we want to interpret that. But everybody seems to be coming in on a, on a nice little even landing. And the, and the one thing that seems to be bringing us together, number one, we need this. Number two... A, a slight bout of confidence is starting to, to hit Packer fans. And number three is just rallying the troops against anybody that is doubting the Packers. Because it has gotten a little, again, not from everybody, not exactly from what I've seen, at least just recently, but I have seen the same thing. And I've been, we've been talking about this forever, the general disrespect, right? Just a general, it's not even, you know, they don't treat the Packers like they're the Lions, obviously. they under, But there's just this casual disregard. Like the Packers... The Packers don't belong here. And that's the way it's been for years. The Packers are here. We love Aaron Rodgers, but let's be honest, they don't belong. Because that is the media narrative. It's Aaron Rodgers and nobody. Which is what it was like, what, five years ago? And the media narrative has just never changed, right? Everything Gutekunst uh, did to revamp this team, everything Matt LaFleur and Hackett has done, uh, uh, that is Hackett. I don't know why it sounded like I said Hackett. Maybe because I did. But listen, Everything that these guys have done to turn things around, every, I mean, even even Aaron Rodgers, just, it makes me crazy. And some Packer fans do this too, which is annoying, but they're, they're the general idea that, and again, it's kind of this recency bias where we just pretend that history wasn't history, but looking at Aaron Rodgers, everybody just pretends this is what Aaron Rodgers has always been. No, it's not. He's never strung together two years this good in his entire history, ever, 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 ever. He, he's on the verge of two MVPs. When was the last time he had two MVPs? Certainly wasn't prior to Matt LaFleur coming here. But we got to pretend that everything about this football team is, is, is Aaron Rodgers. Because Matt LaFleur, who is the one guy that turned Matt Ryan into an MVP, who's, who is a well-known quarterback whisperer, comes here. And by the way, do you remember? Do you remember? I did a podcast about this. After year one, when Rodgers wasn't all that impressive, prior to the 2020 season, I went through in depth and looked at second year under the, the Shanahan system, all the way back to the 1990s and John Elway and all these different quarterbacks and how the, the it is a quarterback-friendly system. But when you get an elite quarterback in this quarterback-friendly system, generally around year two, sometimes in year three, you take these guys 
and you turn great quarterbacks into elite, elite, elite quarterbacks. And I said, if that's if if Aaron Rodgers is able to fully buy in, comprehend, and play along with this system, he has the potential to be an MVP caliber quarterback again. And that's exactly what has happened. And we're going on two years in a row now. And listen, this isn't about me being a super genius. This is just about understanding reality as it is, as opposed to just the shallow, nonsensical thinking that the media is giving us. And I understand, I don't even think that it's not, again, it's not an intelligence thing. Because I don't think that they're stupid. I just think that they love these narratives. And for some reason, I just don't know why the narrative is always stuck on the Packers are fake. But getting all the way back to the beginning, that's one of the main reasons why the Packers need to win. And not just beat San Francisco, because the narrative isn't going to change if we beat San Francisco. If we beat San Francisco, especially if Tampa comes, right? If, If LA comes, we might get a little bit more love because LA isn't as loved as Tampa, although they're kind of getting the same treatment as San Francisco, where it's like, this is a different LA team. And it is. But we've, we've handled L.A. for a while now. But if Tampa comes, I don't think we're going to get the same level of... of uh, either way, we're, we're going to get the same treatment that we're getting right now with San Francisco. The Packers have to get to the Super Bowl and very likely have to win the Super Bowl. And that may just officially change the narrative. Because remember, it hasn't been this way forever. There was many, many years where the Packers got just ridiculous amounts of respect every single year. When you talk to, I mean, 90% of the media members would say that the Packers were their, were their favorites to win the Super Bowl. About 99% said it was Packers were the favorites to be in the Super Bowl. Everybody loved the Packers. Everybody loved Mike McCarthy. Everybody loved Ted Thompson. It wasn't just Aaron Rodgers and nobody else, right? Clay Matthews, people gushed over. I mean, again, it was largely Aaron Rodgers, but Man, you, you, they talked about the wide receivers. They talked about Jermichael Finley. I mean, they did the same thing to the Packers that they did with other teams where guys that maybe didn't even deserve as much respect got respect and, and got respect way too long. Ted Thompson, after he started to fall off and he hadn't had several draft, uh, really good drafts, it didn't matter. Everything he did was just godlike. During the draft, they would just gush over Ted Thompson all the time. And, and, and again, it was well-deserved, but but as things changed, even Mike McCarthy, as things started to fall off, it took them a long time to come around to the fact that maybe he's just not that good anymore. But now, now that um, the Packers have been to the playoffs and lost so many times, everybody's ri- just writing them off because that is the Green Bay narrative. You don't actually belong in the playoffs. You're frauds, right? The real teams will show in, will show up to the playoffs and they'll expose you. You're not actually a fully-fledged team. You're a garbage team with a freakish quarterback. That's it. And a lot of fans buy into that, and it's ridiculous. With all the information staring us in the face, with Devontae Adams, David Bakhtiari, I'm so tired of going through the list, but you know the list. We have running backs. Not just one, but two, which is a rare thing in Green Bay. I mean, we've had Aaron Jones for several years now, but even he was underutilized. Now we have a duo, and let's, you know, no disrespect to uh, Jay Swag Daddy. Jamal Williams. But Jamal was never a an elite player. He was a pretty good blocker, a pretty good receiver, and a extremely mediocre runner. He hit people hard, but very mediocre. Nobody tell my son I said that because that's still one of his favorite players. <laughs> but I mean it just it is what it is. What Rashawn and Preston are doing right now is unbelievable, but you're never gonna hear about it. Rashawn Gary is doing a better job in terms of pressures by a lot than Bosa is. But in their mind, they would, you know, Bosa is better than Preston and Rashawn combined. Even with Zadarius potentially coming back, even with, with Whitney Merciless coming back, who do you hear more about? The San Francisco pass rush or the Packers pass rush? It's not even close. Even though I don't even know if the media members can name anybody else along that San Francisco 49ers defensive line, much less any of the fans that are pumping that up constantly. 
But but that's that's one of the main reasons. There needs to be a, a narrative shift because the Packers will just never get any respect. Maybe if they get to the playoffs, they'll get a, or to the Super Bowl, they'll get a little bit more respect. I don't know, but I I, I just think they need to win it this year. And every team it, again, every team is going to feel that way. But but it's different for the Packers. It's been too many years. Um, in addition to the media needing it, the fans need it desperately. I mean, just, just the, for, for number one, the obvious reason of just how much heartbreak we've had to endure. And I know cry me a river, right? Bears fans and everybody else cry me a river. You get there every year. I get that. I, I, on, on one hand, and I've been pumping this constantly, we should be grateful for many, many years of getting there, but there's also an element of, of there, there should be a reward. The Packers get to the playoffs every year because they're talented, because they have better coaches, because they have better GMs, because they have better players. But they end up going home with their head hung as though they are the Lions or the Bears or anybody else. They haven't hung, you know, a Super Bowl banner in, in 10, 12 years. Very few teams have been consistently good through that whole stretch. I mean, so many teams are just flyby. I mean, the, the freaking Eagles won a Super Bowl. The Eagles. I mean, they, they they just popped up out of nowhere like, hey, we're good this year. Oh, Super Bowl, thank you very much. Thanks for the trophy. Nice seeing you guys. We're going to go back to being absolutely horrific garbage trash. By the way, didn't even have their starting quarterback when they won the Super Bowl. Their backup came in and won it. Like, dude, what are you doing? What are you, why are you doing this? Don't do that. How are we supposed to win if all these little fly-by-night nonsense, I mean, I mean even Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has been a joke since forever. All of a sudden, they're like, all right, we're going to buy all the talent. We're going to get Tom Brady and just pay all this money for all these guys. We're going to go win a Super Bowl. And they did. They just paid for a Super Bowl trophy. And we all had to just sit here and watch it happen. And it was like, all right, that was cool. Um, please never do that again. You know, they're like, you know what? Let's do it one more time. Let's do it one more time. Wouldn't that be crazy? Come on, guys. One more time. We can we can stretch the money for one more year. Come on. No, 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 no cheating get out but we we've we've had to endure a lot you know um we've these playoff losses are um incredibly painful am i expecting it no but man do we need it um i I think that is also part of the 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 pessimism i mean uh, most of the pessimism is being spoiled it really is it's it's you know this isn't good enough well okay well if if best in the nfl isn't good enough then nothing's good enough for you but a lot of it really is just that we don't win soup. Now, some, granted, there will still be Packer fans say, well, it's still only three in 30 years. So that'll never be fixed, right? We, we would have to win like three in a row to get it up to, but even then, it doesn't, there's no fixing some people. But there would be a lot of people that would come around. And, and I think it just needs to happen. Again, not only the media, but the fans coming around to um, something other than Aaron Rodgers. Maybe starting to give Matt LaFleur a little respect. Maybe starting to give Brian Gutekunst some respect. Maybe starting to give anybody else on this team a little bit of respect. Because remember, anytime anybody, whether it's a Packer fan or a media member, says this team is all about Aaron Rodgers, they're completely disrespecting the best wide receiver in football. And again, the list. Kenny, Rashawn, Preston, Zadarius, Razul, Stokes, Devondre Campbell, Adrian Amos, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones... A.J. Dillon, Alan Lazard, MVS, who unfortunately has been injured a lot because he's been a great wide receiver. All these guys are completely disrespected. Completely disrespected. And we already know the wide receivers are disrespected to the exact same degree. I mean, they're they're decent number two wide receivers, but because they're not elite number ones, you know, like, hey, Minnesota has two number ones. Why shouldn't we have two number ones? Because I don't know. I, why, why do we have to have everything everybody else has? They won a Super Bowl. That means we should have won a Super Bowl. No, only one team wins a Super Bowl. Only one, not us. We don't also win. 
hey, they won, we should win. No, that's not how that works. Hey, there's three teams out there that have two number one wide receivers. Why don't we? Okay, and how many teams have even one Devontae Adams? What, like three? How many teams have one really good running back, much less two? How many teams have two elite pass rushers and a, a you know, dominant defensive tackle? But again, the, the, the perspective on everything is skewed, but I, I think it's just, I think there's a general feeling that something is broken, right? We, we can't get over the hump. Something is broken. And so I need to just scream at something. I need to hit something. It, even if I'm being irrational, and it doesn't make sense. And again, what the media is doing also doesn't make any sense. But all they know is that the Packers are, are, are headed toward an impending collapse. And so they're, they're getting out in front of that. Oh, the 49ers, you better watch out for it. The 49ers are hot and the Packers always fall apart in the playoffs. So what is the smart position to take? Just start pumping up the underdog. And that's what they're doing. And and I don't know why it's so trendy to love all these other teams. I mean, I can understand. I mean, everything I said about the Packers makes sense. Everything I've said so far about this is why they downplay the Packers and all that. I have no idea why they talk up the 49ers so much. Because everything that applies to the Packers should apply to the 49ers times 12. The team has struggled to even make the playoffs. Well, injuries, blah, 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 blah. Okay, the, the number one injury issue that they've had is their quarterback, and it's the same quarterback they're currently trying to replace. It's the same quarterback that everybody in the media is saying is basically holding this team back. So don't give me that garbage. Second of all, they just drafted a replacement quarterback by the name of Trey Lance, and the guy can't even get on the field. If, if Brian Gutekunst is going to get trashed for exploring quarterback in the end of the first round, with Aaron Rodgers having one foot out the door, being generally discontent and unhappy with the organization whose play has been declining, and they're, they're just exploring it, just going to grab a guy and see how he does. Maybe sometime down the road we can have him start. Maybe not. I don't know. But we got to explore it. The 49ers put everything they had into getting the best available quarterback to start for this team. And by, let, me, let me stop there for a second also, because the other big complaint is, yeah, but the Packers are on the verge of a Super Bowl. Wouldn't you like to get somebody that could have helped you win a Super Bowl? Explain the 49ers and Trey Lance to me then. Why has there never been the same... Why is there not the Jordan Love narrative toward Trey Lance? Packer fans, help me out with this. Packer fans who are just beside themselves. Gutekunst is an idiot. Explain this to me. Is it Are the 49ers idiots? Because I haven't heard you say anything about it. Again, you can have an opinion, but but if, if, if you're biased against the Packers, that's kind of weird as a Packer fan. But, but it's not just Packers. It's every... Why aren't the... Where would the 49ers be right now? They took Trey Lance at number three. Kyle Pitts went one pick later. Jamar Chase went two picks later. Can you imagine? Can you freaking imagine Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase on this team? George Piddle and uh, George George Piddle. Wow. That's, uh, see, you could have had the duo of uh, Pitts and Kittle, a.k.a. Piddle. Kyle Pitts in Atlanta, which is a garbage team has gone over 1,000 yards. He's, he's already just, I mean, very quietly because nobody cares about Atlanta, and he got off to a slow start, so everybody wrote him off real early. But he's, he's basically their number one receiver, dominant player, all that stuff. If he was in San Francisco paired up with, with uh, George Kittle, good Lord. And Jamar Chase, Jamar freaking Chase on this team would be their number one wide receiver with Debo lining up, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, slot, backfield, and then Ayuk as basically the number two. Completely unstoppable with this team be. Nobody cares. Trey Lance instead is sitting on the bench. Instead of this team having these guys, or you could have even taken Pinay Sewell, which, you know, not really needed for them, but they've got a lot of really old offensive uh, linemen. It would have at least been looking to the future. Uh, one of the biggest weaknesses is cornerback. Well, you got J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan sitting right there. 
How about Micah Parsons? He was available. Could have taken Micah Parsons, didn't take Micah Parsons. Can you imagine this team with Micah Parsons, with Patrick Sertan, with Jamar Chase, with Kyle Pitts? Instead, they take Trey Lance. Nobody has anything to say about that. The whole problem with the Packers, the reason they lost the Super Bowl is because they took Jordan Love when they could have taken somebody else, like, oh, I don't know, T. Higgins, which, like I said, T. Higgins would most likely have been sitting on the bench. T. Higgins was not all that impressive in 2020, and he certainly would not have gotten a lot of uh, time on this team that does not play rookies very much. He would not have been starting over MVS and Lazard. Who else? Michael Pittman? Same thing. DeAndre Swift? Two safeties went after that. They would have not been playing. I don't even know if any of them are doing anything for the Giants or the Patriots. Yatur Gross Matos, the pass rusher, wouldn't be playing. Robert Hunt, the guard, no idea what he's doing. Ross Blacklock has done nothing for Houston. I guess we could have taken Jonathan Taylor, although he's not even grading out as well as A.J. Dillon is, so I don't know on this team, in this situation, if he'd be doing any better. I said as soon as Indianapolis took Jonathan Taylor that it's the perfect team, perfect player going to the perfect team. And it was. And they, it, a big part of the reason for his yards is his usage, which is way more than A.J. Dillon is getting. Could have taken Cole Komet. Ooh, there you go. That would have helped us win a Super Bowl last year. Or how about Patrick Queen? Oh, yeah, we get Patrick. The great thing about Patrick Queen, not only would he be garbage, we probably wouldn't have gone out and gotten Devondre Campbell. That would have been great. That'd be wonderful, guys. We could have got Patrick Queen. That guy is straight trash. I mean, seriously, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not tuned into all this, but has, has one person brought that up? Because they were so quick to bring that up for the Packers. It was every week, all week. Man, could you just, just imagine if they had taken somebody like uh, uh, Denzel Mims or something instead of, instead of Jordan Love, how much that could have helped this team. Every, every week, every day, every second, you heard that narrative. Has anybody mentioned Jamar Chase could have been a 49er? Has anybody mentioned Kyle Pitts could have been a 49er? I haven't heard it. Wait, what? Who? Meatloaf? Meatloaf died. Dude, everybody's dying. Everybody's dying. I've never seen this many people die. Like, just one after the other. For like the last month, we've seen what? Eight, nine, ten? Not even including the the people that I don't even know. The 34-year-old reality star I saw the other day or whatever. I don't know. Robert Paulson, man. But anyways, as I'm lingering on Twitter, I, I, I basically see all this again. Basically, what we're talking about as far as just the narrative not being right. And once again, and and by the way, this has 58 retweets, 1,300 likes, which means a lot of people have seen this tweet. And so I was expecting non-Packer fans to attack this narrative, but nope, it's a Packer fan. It's another angry Packer fan who is unsatisfied with the quality of the team. So it forced me to do a little research, and so I got some data. So let's talk about it. But it starts off with Perry Goldstein on Twitter. She says, why is there still this narrative that the Packers have no pass catchers besides Devontae Adams, right? Something we've talked about a thousand times. She says, Alan Lazard having his best season as a pro, Aaron Jones averaging 7.5 yards per reception with six receiving touchdowns, A.J. Dillon is involved, Cobby coming back, this is so tired to me. Exactly. It's tired. It's boring. It's stupid. Who's the first person I see argue with this? It's a guy with a Devontae Adams avatar. He says, LOL, one wide receiver is having a good year beside Tay, and it's not even that good. First of all, pause. It doesn't matter. The fact that Alan Lazard is at least on par as a number two, but is probably a better number two than most people have on their team, is exactly the entire point. Nobody said we have an elite number two wide receiver. We'll get into the data on that, by the way, but he seems to agree. That's the whole point, but that's that's exactly it. From, from Packer fans' perspective, either we have 2,000-yard receiving guys 
or we're trying, I literally just said this and now I'm proving it. It just within five seconds of being on Twitter, I see this exact argument. You get this unhappy, miserable Packer fan who's mad because we don't have 2,000 yard receivers. Zero perspective on reality whatsoever. Somebody else has a nice thing, so I should have the most selfish, spoiled people. Right? One other team has it, so I should have it. It's pathetic. He goes on to say, then you mentioned two running backs. You literally answered your own question. First of all, she said pass catchers. That would include running backs and tight ends. She didn't just say wide receivers. She said pass catchers. But let's talk about wide receivers. Do you know how many teams have 2,000-yard receivers? Take a wild guess. Three is the answer. Only three teams have wide receiver, two wide receivers over 1,000 yards. The vast majority that you'll find have zero zero receivers at a thousand. It's either one or zero with the exception of two, uh, three teams having two. But again, we can't look at the fact that this is, this is like, you know, the whole first world problem thing. This is Americans in a nutshell. Americans have even, even people who are, you know, middle-class or lower middle-class have lives that are better. Even, even the poor, if we're being completely honest, have lives that are significantly better than a vast majority of the world. And that's even talking about in 2021, 2022. That's not even looking at historically. You know, you go back 100 years, nobody had lives as good as us, ever. We have the best lives of anybody as far as prosperity, comfort, quality of life. Americans today have the best, I mean, this has been true for Americans for a long time. It's Americans in whatever era we're in, starting in, I don't know, the 20s. I, I don't know. But we have the highest quality of living. Just, just we, it's, it's amazing. And you know what we do all day long? We complain about how it's not good enough. We complain about how it's not. And I, I just recently saw somebody talk about this, how there's this, this thing in psychology. I forgot what the name of it was. But no matter how good things get, we always look for new problems. And those new problems go to 10. We always have 10 problems. I don't mean 10 as in quantity. 10 as in, as in severity. It's always a level 10. And, and when we take problems away, we just find the newest next problem and we make it a 10, which is why we see so many people, you know, marching in the street over stuff. That's like, dude, that's not even like, that's not even a big deal. Like compared to what it used to be, are you serious right now? And so part of the problem of taking all the problems away is that we start freaking out about really minor things. That's what Packer fans are doing about the Packers. Packer fans are treating the Green Bay Packers as though the, 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 this pathetic Detroit Lions team. Because <laughs> although we have a really, really good roster, arguably one of the best, if not the best rosters, as well as coaches and GM and everything of the whole package in the entire NFL, but we got Packer fans who are who are throwing an absolute fit that we don't have a second thousand yard wide receiver. First world problems. Packer fans are kings of first world NFL problems. Oh, we only have one elite wide receiver. We only have one that's the best in the NFL. How will we get by? We should have three if we're being honest. But I would accept two. Good lord. Washington has one, and he's barely over 1,000 yards. Tennessee has zero. Tampa Bay has two. One of them is Chris Godwin. He's not on the team anymore, so they're back down to one. San Francisco, this elite football team, has one. Seattle has one. DK Metcalf didn't cross that mark this year. Pittsburgh has one. Philadelphia has zero. The Jets have zero. In fact, uh, their number one receiver had 538 yards. The Giants, zero. 521 was their most. New Orleans, zero. New England, zero. Minnesota, one. That's right. 
even Minnesota. Adam Thielen, 726 yards this year. Miami, one and barely, 1,015 yards for Jalen Waddell. The Raiders, one, Hunter Renfro, 1,096 yards. The Chargers have two. They got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams crossed that mark. The Rams have one. Now, granted, he has 2,000 yards by himself, so that's basically like having two, but they've only got one. So we've gone through playoff teams now. The Rams and the 49ers. Aside, I mean, Tampa has, well, Tampa, again, technically has one because the other guy is gone. So all of our competitors in the NFC have 1,000-yard guy on the team. I mean, I'll give them credit for having two at some point, two that crossed the mark, but still. Kansas City has one, another playoff team. That's it, Tyreek Hill. That, that's the other thing that drives me nuts in particular is Kansas City. Kansas City never gets dinged for this. They, they have never had two really good wide receivers. They're basically the same as the Packers, but nobody ever... That's the, that's the thing. If you're going to have a narrative, at least make it be equal. That's exactly the, the thing that drives me nuts. Fine, you, you think a team should have two elite wide receivers. So you don't like... Can- oh, no, Kansas City's great. They got Tyreek Hill. They got, they got uh, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey. And, um, well, that's about it. But that's all you need, man. Well, what about the Packers' other weapons? What about their running? No, 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 I'm running. Listen to me. You need to have two good wide receivers, Green Bay. That's the stand. Well, Kansas City, well, Pat Mahomes. We got Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill. Our quarterback and wide receiver are both better. So I don't know what you're talking. I don't know why that's a thing. Jacksonville, zero. Indy has one and barely. Michael Pittman just got, barely got over it. Uh, Houston has one. Green Bay has one. Comfortably, Devontae Adams, 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns. Thank you very much. Uh, Detroit, zero. Denver has uh, zero. Dallas has one. Despite all these elite wide receivers that they have, they only have one that crossed 1,000 yards. Cleveland, zero. Um, The highest that they had was 597 yards, and it was Donovan Peoples-Jones. Cincinnati, two. T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Chicago, has one, and it was Darnell Mooney and Barely. Carolina has one, DJ Moore. Buffalo only has one, right? Well, why why don't we go after Buffalo? Buffalo has Stephon Diggs and nobody else. That's it. Anybody care? Anybody want to throw a fit? Who's their elite tight end? They don't have Travis Kelsey. Why do they get a pass? Why does Buffalo get a pass on having one good wide receiver? Anybody have an answer for that? Baltimore, Hollywood Brown, barely. I don't even think Hollywood Brown is an elite wide receiver. Why do they get a pass? Why, because they drafted Rashad Bateman? At least they're trying. You get an A for effort? Rashad Bateman had 500 yards. What, because they went out in free agency and got Sammy Watkins, 394 yards? Because they drafted Devin Duvernay, 272 yards? Give me a break. Because they drafted Tylen Wallace, because they're trying real, real hard, 23 receiving yards? The Atlanta Falcons, zero. And Arizona, one and barely. Christian Kirk, 1,035 yards. So again... Almost nobody has two. And of the ones that have two, it's kind of barely, right? Tampa Bay, they have one and the guy's gone. And I think the who one, one I think only one of them was kind of comfortably. I don't remember who it was, but this idea that the Packers should have two elite wide receivers is so silly to me. There's nothing wrong with it. If you're able to do it, great. And and again, the the, the media narrative that I've heard is in today's NFL, you gotta have it. According to who? According to who? Again, I'm not opposed to it, but but explain this to me. Every team except the three teams that have two elite wide receivers, 2,000 yard, everybody else is just doomed. Just, it doesn't make sense, man. 
Anyways, now now I'm getting into a Twitter argument because the guy's being EQ. He wants to move the goalpost. Now he wants to add tight ends. He, Perry wasn't allowed to add running backs, but now he wants to add tight ends to bump that number up to five teams because the Chiefs and the and the uh, Ravens have a tight end at a thousand, and Lazard is average at best. Why? Because of yardage. Because that's 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 who I'm arguing with. Somebody that looks at yardage. No, that it's up to you what you want to do with this information. I don't care. Listen, I, I was I was the one saying Lazard is having a bad year for the first half of the year, right? Everybody loves Lazard. I've been over here saying, dude, the guy's been playing terribly. And I said it was unacceptable. And I said, if we're going to do better, he needs to step up. I'm not just banging the drum to bang the drum. I just call it as it is in the moment. If he's playing bad, I'm going to say he's playing bad. If he's playing well, I'm going to say he's playing well. He's playing well. And you can, you can, you can pretend that you're being rational and I'm being a, a, a dense fan, as he called me. If you want, because you want to just keep moving the goalposts until you can prove the point that the Packers just cannot get good wide receivers, which again is the most first world complainy, whiny problem in the world. LA, they've got one elite wide receiver. Is anybody complaining? Well, they got Odell Beckham now. Okay, well, whatever. Again, it just never stops with the moving the goalposts. Before Odell Beckham, assuming he were even going to admit that or, or say that he's doing a good job, even if we're going to say that, which the guy's had one good game since he's been with the Rams. He's had two good games this entire year via PFF. But it was his most recent game where he had 54 yards and a touchdown in the wild card game. But even with that, okay, prior to week 10, before he even showed up, were they getting crucified for just having one? Were they? The answer is no. Anyways, I'm spending way too much time and I'm running out of time here. So why don't we go ahead and take a break? come back and uh, I want to rip through some of the Patreon questions as best as I can. Shout out to TK Knowles for jumping in on uh, Drew's GoFundMe. Now up to almost, we're $5 away from $3,400 raised. Uh, we did get an update update from Drew on his seizure service dog. Um, basically just saying thank you to everybody that's helped raise awareness. And obviously thank you to you guys for uh, jumping in and, and contributing. Also, don't forget your meat, man. Head on over to amodernfrontier.com. Remember, that's promo code MEATPACKERS. Uh, I got clarification, by the way. Somebody asked me. It's one word, MEATPACKERS, all caps. So if you're going to go there, you get a discount. Should have clarified what that was because I don't remember. I suck at this. I suck at this. But again, you can always reach out to uh, Adam. Uh, might take him a little bit of time because, again, this is his. Uh, this is not a big operation. And so when I tried to get clarification on that yesterday, I'm pretty sure he was out on his property working. You know, he's not hes not like me sitting around on my phone, getting distracted by it every five seconds. Ooh, it went off. Ooh, I got a message. Respond. He's actually outside working like, you know, like we were made to do. But head on over to amodernfrontier.com. Uh, they will deliver if you have any questions as far as what they offer. By the way, they have only a couple options on the website that I can find. Uh, one-eighth grass-fed beef box, as well as butcher's dozen ground beef. But um, I'm quite positive he also has pork, like a quarter pig. So um, again, just just reach out and talk to him would be the best way. Again, this is all kind of being sprung on him after getting laid off. So he's trying to to kind of, he's doing this faster than he was anticipating. So uh, it might be the best way just to, to clarify everything. Just reach out and um, see what's there. But this is, uh, again, in the About Us section, our food producers products are raised to very strict standards by following regenerative agricultural practices and protocols looking to nature for guidance the animals are raised in pasture settings where they are as happy and healthy as possible these are grass-fed cows so be sure to check that out and again meat packers one word all caps we'll take a break we'll be right back we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing but they also can be amazingly distracting especially when we're around other people so u.s cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones 
by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's, uh, we're going to do a little bit of a speed round here. I want to start off with David's question. Um, right off the bat, you guys are getting into stuff that it's like, man, you must not know me very well. He says, what are your thoughts on running a 5-2-4 defense if San Francisco is in run-heavy personnel? Um, the first clarification that I probably should have asked, but I guess I just assumed what you meant, 5-2-4 sounds a lot like what we, like base, like 3-4 defense, because five, I'm assuming up front, is three defensive tackles and two outside linebackers. I'm assuming, unless you're talking about the two guys' hand in the dirt. I I don't know, but it's still going to be that, I guess. But either way, um, this is a little bit out of my wheelhouse. I could, I mean, I could answer the question, but it's not going to be something that anybody should care about. So I reached out to Coach Hahn and Sam Holman, and both of them were kind enough to uh, respond. Here is what Coach Hahn had to say. 5-2-4 is a great uh, is great with your personnel because it leaves your defensive line largely intact and also gives you good edge players, which is the Smiths. It's tough to nickel out. Uh, it's tough to nickel out of without sacrificing either inside linebacker or safety play, though. So, in other words, you know, if you think about a five-two-four, if they're in nickel, we need to move somebody around. So either we need to drop a safety into that slot spot, or we need to drop a linebacker. Presumably, what we would do is swap out a linebacker because we're fine with Devondre anyways. But now we're kind of being a little counterproductive because it's you know five-one-five, and so the we're losing a guy in the box, right? Although if they they have a nickel out, see this is you know, whatever. They're also a little lighter too because they're in in uh, three wide receivers. He does say it's pretty susceptible to play action pass and tight end mismatches. 
It's a bit harder to disguise coverage as well, but a great early down set versus heavier personnel. So, I mean, the the, the point is, I mean, the, the, I think the most obvious thing is your question is geared toward, um, do you think it's a good idea to have a run-heavy personnel against them if they're running the ball? The answer is yes, but it makes you less good at stopping the pass, which on a very basic level is, you know, it's, it's all about numbers and football and everything else. And if you stack the numbers in one direction, then you're lighter in another direction. Uh, Sam says, and again, he's assuming we're talking about a traditional 3-4 front and not a 5 defensive line package. But he says, regardless, I agree that sort of the front, uh, that sort of front is a sound approach versus the 49ers run game. Key to playing run with light boxes is stringing out run plays and keeping the second and third level free. Getting heavier in the trenches helps accomplish this. It's the same idea behind Green Bay's 6-1 front and penny fronts, two outside linebackers, three defensive line on the line with only one inside linebacker. I also like keeping the wide edges with Gary and Smith. It gives them a better angle to spill pullers on counter, pin pull, buck sweep, etc. So basic, there, there's basically agreement that, yes, bringing five guys on the defensive line against the run is going to help. Um, Coach Hawn focusing more on the, the numbers advantage and... Um, uh, Sam kind of talking about the the added benefit of the additional width, and he's even saying I like it if they get even a little bit more width because it kind of contains things a little bit when you, when they're trying to get to the outside, which is something they love to do in general as a team, but also with guys like Debo, basically widening out and saying you're not going to get around us is beneficial. Goose kind of jumped in on that. He says, um, "Is the defense ready to combat San Francisco's trickery after how bad they got shellacked by the Lions? Trick plays. I'm a little weary on offense. I'm not." Uh, worried as long as we pound the rock and sprinkle in play action, we should be good. So I personally break this down into two different things. I mean, there's there's trick plays, and then there's uh, generally complex offenses. If they're going to run trick plays, are we ready? Not really, but that's kind of the point of the trick plays, right? The, the point of trick plays is teams don't generally prepare for trick plays. The problem with trick plays and why, well, well then why doesn't everybody just do it all the time? Because it's not a high success kind of a play. Right, you've got, for example, like a, a wide receiver throwing a pass to a quarterback. You've got a double reverse situation where, I mean, if if, if it works and you catch him off guard, it's great. But the other team's going to make you look stupid if they either sniff it out or just, you know, it's it's a long developing play. If there's a guy in the backfield, he can just smoke your guy for a loss of twelve yards. So you're kind of putting yourself at a disadvantage, um, in hopes that if you can execute it, you'll you'll kind of have a guy either wide open or it's, it's an easier to execute play because you know the other team has not prepared for this particular play. Other than to maybe say, keep an eye out for this. You know, we're, we're not practicing how to stop, you know, this double reverse pass, wide receiver pass or whatever. We're, we're not really uh, practicing the flea flicker. Uh, the fact of the matter is Detroit treated it like a Super Bowl game, and they pulled every trick out of their their back pocket. And yeah, Green Bay wasn't prepared for it. But I, I don't think that's, not to say San Francisco is never going to like dig into their bag of tricks. I mean, of course they are, especially if they're down, they're going to start digging deep. But I think the Packers are going to prepare for what's on tape. And what's on tape is a complex offense. And, I, and again, I don't want to conflate the two things as being the same thing. And I think the Packers can handle a complex offense. But but to be completely honest, I'm, I'm less worried about the complexity aspect. It is It is an important thing. I'm just worried about the matchups. You know, it's 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 less about the the misdirection for me and more about just can you just line up and stop the run? Because if you can't, we're in trouble. If you can, I think we're going to win the game. And it's not to say they're not going to get chunks with Debo and they're going to do some special things and those, those trick plays are going to cause some problems and Kittle's going to have a day and all these kinds of things. There's no question, but if if they can run the ball successfully, especially with 
a five-man front or whatever we choose to do to try to slow down the run. If we're trying to stop the run and can't, we're in trouble. Likewise, on the other side of the ball, if they're able to put four guys up front and we can't run the ball, we're in trouble. Yes, we can still run but or still pass, but generally, um, that's going to make it harder to pass because they're saying we're not even going to stack the front. We're just going to put four guys up there. We're going to play pass. So um, the complexity aspect is is problematic, um, but it's also something that these two teams have become relatively familiar with each other. Um, they, they understand each other a little bit more in depth, and that's going to help. But I, I really think it comes down to fundamental football. It's, it's, it's blocking and tackling. The last time we lost to San Francisco, it wasn't trickery, man. They, they just whooped the living daylights out of us in the trenches. They destroyed our offensive line. And I, I, to this day, I've never seen a defensive line get beat that bad in my life. These guys, I'm, I'm not kidding you, the running back had four gaps to run through that you could drive a truck through, four of them. They spread out our defensive line that badly. I've never, I mean, it's one of those things where when you see one hole that big, it's like, dude, that was a massive hole. There were four of them, not even including running around the edge. Our guys were, were three, four, five yards apart from each other, our defensive linemen. I, I've never, ever seen a defensive line get beat that bad. The, the, not the last time we played San Francisco, the last time we lost to San Francisco in the playoffs. So um, are they prepared for trickery? Not really. Are we going to see some of it? Possibly. Um, are we prepared for them being a complex offense? I, I think they generally understand what they're going to do. Can they stop it is going to be another issue. But again, biggest thing for me is, is, is the basics. It's running the ball. It's tackling. It's blocking. It's block shedding. It's, you know, whatever. It's, it's discipline, not getting penalties, staying in your lane you know, uh, coverage assignments, not having breakdowns in coverage, because that is part of the complexity. And if, if you know, the, it's not that the Packers aren't prepared for it and aren't, aren't drilling it, but you, you have to be mentally acute. You know, that's what the Packers have been drilling, especially on defense is just do your job. Don't, don't get distracted by the flashy thing over here. That's, that's, that's what makes sort of that Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay offense, even the, the Andy Reid offense. It's, it's very, much like what magicians do with the sleight of hand. You, you focus on the left hand while the right hand over here is is doing the the trickery. Brandon says, is Amari going to be on the active roster this week or could we swap him for David Moore? I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not exactly on the anti-Amari train to the same degree as everybody else. Um, again, I think Amari, the last time he was our kick returner, did about as well as David Moore did. Aside from he made a stupid mistake, he took the ball out of the end zone. I understand that was really stupid, but he had a good day outside of that. His punt and kick returns were just as good as David Moore's were that one time. Um, I also said that he was going to have a slow start on offense, just like A.J. Dillon did, because they're not going to utilize him very much. He's not going to get as much practice as he needs. It's it's understanding the game mentally, which usually that first year, you're just kind of breaking that in. Um, but Packer fans have 100% given up on Amari. Part of that is tied to special teams being a disaster and him being sort of one of the faces of special teams. So everything is really falling on his head. Everybody's really angry and, and fed up with Amari. And there's no question he should be playing better, but I just, I don't know. I mean, if, if they did get rid of Amari, I mean, not rid of, but you know what I mean? If they they downgraded him or, or deactivated him so they can bring some other guys up, it wouldn't be the end of the world. I don't think they're going to do that because I don't generally think the Packers are as low on Amari as most, most of the fans are either. Um but I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Amari. I've heard several people say that. Can we flat out just cut the guy so we can get Zadarius back or something? It's, it's a little over the top, in my opinion. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I don't know. Tim says, is this game sellout 90% against the run and make sure so they have no option but Jimmy G throwing? I think that is primarily going to be the plan. I mean, listen, they, Debo Samuel as a receiver is, is very, very good. 
Brandon Ayuk is a good wide receiver, and George Kittle is is still dominant. So, um, I mean, we saw it against the Ravens with with the tight end where we just got absolutely obliterated. So we'll see. We'll, uh, part of me thinks maybe they're going to come out and just run real heavy and just say, let's see if you can stop us first. And if not, we're just going to do that all day. But part of me wonders if they're going to come out and just start slinging it and say, now what are you going to do? You know, if you want to break the spirit of this team, if you want to just shock everybody and give, give give to the defense, to the fans in the stands, to the coaching staff, just this sort of general feeling of, oh, shoot, come out on your first drive and just shred through the air. I don't know if they're going to do that again. They'll probably lean on the run a little bit because if they're able to do that successfully, even with us trying to stop it, then then you're pretty much set. But we'll see. I mean, I, I understand Jimmy G is sort of a weak spot, but I am still concerned about Debo and Ayuk and uh, Kittle. So we'll, we'll see what their what their plan is, and we'll see what the Packers can do in response. I mean, we'll see who's stepping up and who's not. Um, you know, it, pass rushers are another element to this. Um, if, if we're able to get to the quarterback and you're coming back and you're, you're just going to sling it all over the yard, you're going to be pretty... And, and, and honestly, the Packers might even be excited about that. If, if that's their plan, even if they're able to move down the line, you're going to have Joe Barry probably, rather than saying, oh no, he's probably going to be sitting there saying, please don't stop this, please, because we're going to get you eventually. We're going to get that pick. We're going to get that sack. We're going to get that strip sack. Keep slinging it. And so honestly, I don't think they would even, even if they're, let's say they are in somewhat of a run heavy front, I bet they stick with that, which is going to be frustrating to us as fans. But just just keep that in the back of your mind, because I'm, I'm thinking through this. If they're playing run heavy and the 49ers' response is we're just going to keep throwing it, I think the Packers stay that way, which means they're probably going to have some success through the air. Because again, the the Packers are kind of daring them to throw by giving them a numbers advantage through the air. So they should win through the air, but the Packers are trusting that eventually, because remember, even our best pass rusher is at 17%. That's less than once every five times he gets a pressure, not even a sack. But eventually he's going to get it. And eventually Preston's going to get there. Eventually Kenny's going to get there. Eventually Whitney, Merciless, eventually Zadarius, eventually somebody's going to get there. Eventually uh, Razul's going to get that pick. Eventually Stokes is going to make a play. Eventually, eventually, that's the whole point. So it's similar to that bend, don't break mentality of um, we almost like that you're having success through the air because we don't want you to stop that. Please keep doing that. But I, I, I generally do agree with you, Tim, that it probably is going to rely on and, and for that reason, San Francisco probably isn't going to do that because they understand that as well. Eventually, Jimmy G, G is going to make a mistake, and that's going to turn this game on its head, especially in Lambeau. You don't want to come out there, throw a pick, give the Packers an easy seven points, and then the crowd is never coming out of it. But we'll see. It'll be interesting. I mean, it, you, you never know, man. These, these, these guys will come out and shock you, especially when you're able to script that first drive. If you're able to script a really good drive and get down the field through the air, maybe make the Packers rethink that, see if you maybe scare them out of that uh, personnel where they want to make adjustments, or are they going to stick with it? I don't know. That's part of the fun of uh, this whole the, the, the battle going back and forth. Uh, Brian says, the 49ers uh, tend to do two things really well the Packers have struggled against. Line up wide receivers in the backfield, utilize an explosive tight end. I, I saw your question before, and I really struggled to remember what you meant. I know we had one serious, serious problem with a tight end, and that was like the number one tight end in football. But I'm pretty sure we we went up against Kelsey also and did not have a problem with him. Uh, we also went up against Kittle. And um, I mean, it wasn't, I guess it, he had 92 yards in that game, which is kind of a lot. Um, so yeah, may, maybe there's something there. And then lining up wide receivers in the back, I'm sure you have a vivid picture of what it is you're referring to. I don't know what that is. Uh, I started to kind of go through and look at wide receivers and their their rushing yards, which you didn't necessarily say rushing. They could have lined up and done something else. But 
I was, I was just struggling to even find what you were referring to, so I don't really know. Obviously, Debo, that is his biggest thing, and that's kind of a newer thing, so I can't even say, well, they didn't beat us with it last time, so it's you know they won't do it this time, because again, it's, it's sort of a new thing. But in terms of, of how to do it, the, the only thing I'll say is I doubt Savage is going to be lined up one-on-one on Kittle. And granted, Kittle and, and uh, Andrews are, are different tight ends. I mean, Andrews largely beat him with size, and Savage is not that big of a guy. Kittle isn't quite as big as Mark Andrews is, um, so maybe that's a little bit different. I don't know, but um, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a slightly different strategy. I don't know what they did against uh, the 49ers last time, but um, <laughs> as terrible of an answer as this is, whatever they did last time, I think it'll be something similar to that. Not that I'm, I'm excited about 92 yards in a game, but it wasn't Mark Andrews bad, right? Nothing really has been. So um, as far as uh, Debo in the backfield, I don't really know. I mean, it's, it's, he's a running back, right? That's what we're talking about. And so I don't know if you do something different with a wide receiver being in the backfield. I mean, obviously there's, there's additional concern about him doing something else, running out for a pass or whatever the case may be. Um, that the, the added drawback to doing that though, is that what, you know, one of the things I mentioned about why guys like AJ Dillon were not getting as many opportunities despite being good running backs is because being a running back is about more things. It's about receiving and it's also about blocking. And if you can't do some of those things, you're kind of tipping your hand. Now, Debo Samuel obviously can be a receiver, and we know he runs the ball well, but we also know he's probably not staying in to block. That's going to give the Packers somewhat of an advantage. Not much of one, but Debo has to be that much better at what he's doing. And he is. He's doing a very good job at what he's doing. But he needs to be that much better when you tip your hand a little bit. I mean, he might stay in to pass block once in a while, but he's done it five times this entire season. So if he's in the backfield, he's running a route or he's running the ball, period. He's being utilized. He's not a distraction. He's not staying in there to uh, to block. And so again, I mean, it's it is it is to some degree a disadvantage when you put him back there. Kind of like what we did with Randall Cobb. I mean, we had a ton of success with doing that, but you know he's not staying in the block. So it it may be a a minor advantage, but it is an advantage, and it is going to help the Packers to identify what the play is much better than just if they because that remember that's a big part of what San Francisco and Green Bay does they line up and you have no idea the entire playbook is wide open if Debo's in the backfield they're cutting out a large portion of their playbook and Green Bay is able to kind of narrow in on what they're doing now it's still going to come down to execution but the Packers are going to have a little bit of a better idea of what's about to happen uh, Mark says, do you think given that the 49ers didn't draft him first overall in all five and the postseason record against them, Rodgers will quote, try too hard on Saturday and he won't stay in the flow of Matt LaFleur's play calling? <sighs> um, I don't really have any precedent for that or, or reason to believe that necessarily. You know, I mean, if, if you go back and, and look at the history of, of him against San Francisco, again, we've won the last two years in a row. I think he's done a good job staying in the flow. I, I think he's a smart enough guy to understand that you know, how to put himself in the best situation to win. Now, maybe not. Maybe he will start getting into that sort of mode where he he wants to put the whole thing on his back and he wants to throw that 50-yard bomb. And maybe, I don't know. But again, he's a smart guy and he understands. I mean, I think even a lot of times when he's throwing those bombs, it's because that's how the defense is playing, which we might actually see that in this game, by the way. If the 49ers commit to single high safety, that's basically daring that throw. And so it's something to keep in mind. If he starts doing that, see what coverage they're in. Um, because it, it may come down to daring him to do that. And if he can't execute on that, it's not necessarily that he's just trying to throw the 50-yard bomb all the time and he's trying to be desperate and he needs to just throw the short. But maybe they're just not giving it to him and they're saying, okay, you want to beat us? Throw the 40-yard pass. See if you can connect on it. See if you can hit Devontae down the field. 
Um, you know, whether or not he has an off day, I don't know, but I, I don't think he's going to necessarily sabotage this because he wants it so bad. We'll see. I don't know, but I, I, I don't have a, a precedent for that necessarily. Um, we've got a few more questions. I think I'm going to pause it there because I really got to get going. I'm running out of time, but um, leave it at that, man. And tomorrow, uh, tomorrow's game day. We're going to have a lot of time to fill. We'll figure out what exactly we're going to be doing tomorrow, but uh, we got four more questions here. If you have some more, get it in there. I think somebody sent me a direct message on uh, Patreon. I'll try to remember to get to that, but it would be a lot better if you just go to the um, the Q&A that I posted and just leave a comment. That way I won't forget about it if you're on Patreon. If you're not on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support for as little as a dollar a month and get involved in the Q&A and all that good stuff. But anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>